afternoon, New Mexico and the World Wide Web. We are here. We are 1600 AM, KIBA. We are also on abq.fm and rockoftalk.chat. I am Eric, your producer, and we are here Saturday with a live call-in show with our favorite doctor, Dr. Summers. How's it going, Doctor? Excellent. Eric Provecchio, the Master of Ceremonies. Fantastic. A call-in show today, live. This is when we uh, excitedly wait for the audience to kidnap the show. That's right. right. And you can kidnap <laughs> kidnap us at 505-550. Actually, no, that's incorrect. We are at 505-266-1600. 266 1600. 1600. Yes. <laughs> yes. Call us up, line up some calls, and we want you to uh, interact with the doctor. Try and stump him if you can. Give him your health problems, give him your mental health problems, physical problems. We want to help you all. You're going to, Dr. Summers is going to uh, give you information that you're probably not going to hear anywhere else unless you go searching for it for yourself, but we make it easy for you here on 1600 AM. Yeah, and we have uh, backup stuff that's really kind of interesting, health hacks and diabetes, and wanted to review the heart, an amazing, amazing piece of the body. And, of course, the COVID update, <laughs> a JAMA article that came out on February 18th. That would be fun to talk about. And history you're not supposed to know, right? Yes, sir. That should be good if we can get to it. Always my favorite part. Then of the show. I always want to get around to mask madness. I mean, we see so many people stomping around with their masks on, and it's no longer required. And it's 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 almost like a Heil Grisham to me. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's like these people haven't gotten the memo that masks don't work; they're ineffective, and. Uh, that they're no longer required, and that when they were required, it was more like saluting the government. You were a good little government minion. But away we go. So, uh, shall we start off with some quotes and quips? And sure, here maybe it is. review uh, some things. If I may, sir, I'll start off with the first one. Absolutely. All Charge right. ahead, Eric. All right, the quote is, What is hyperinflation? It is the dramatic process of an established currency, say the dollar, <laughs> losing its usefulness as money. Prices rise rapidly and uncontrollably as a result of excessive money printing and a loss of confidence in the currency. And that comes from a uh, book called When Money Destroys Nations, and it's referring to Zimbabwe. We are becoming Zimbabwe. Hey, Joe, inflation is taxation without representation. I almost feel like putting that on a postcard and sending it to the White House. Yeah, so some, I've heard that somewhere before. Yeah. Uh, Eric, what do you think of the State of the Union address that uh, our, our friend Mr. Biden attempted to stumble through to this week? Well, it, it's kind of like uh, what, I, what I was telling you on your way in here. It's kind of like whatever uh, the mainstream or whatever the the party in charge is telling us, you can— Kind of turn it on its head 180 degrees and then that would be the truth i thought it was uh i thought it was a circus to be honest with you yeah i'm afraid there was little in there that didn't seem to uh, be just a simply flat out misrepresentation of fact or simply worked against the russians and the chinese masters but uh, anyway just a thought but let's talk about freedom. Albert Einstein had this to say about freedom. Everything that is really great and inspiring is created by an individual who can labor in freedom. Shall I repeat that? I, I think that's worth repeating, Doctor, for sure. Albert Einstein said everything that is really great and inspiring is created by an individual who labors in freedom. Or how about this from our Native American friends? We have listeners who are Native Americans as well. A fellow by the name of Morningstar, who was a northern Cheyenne chief, once said, I would rather die in freedom on my way back home than starve to death here on a reservation. Uh, he apparently uh, broke out of the reservation in protest to the fact that our government was slowly starving him to death. 
I guess that was the Native American version of inflation. What is inflation these days? Do we know? Do we have any real feel for it? Um, I went to the grocery store last weekend. I haven't been so shocked in years. And yeah, and it seems like uh, early on, this early on in the year, it might just be just getting worse. Yep, everything Joe touches, he mucks up, it seems like. Well, we had a call earlier today from a person in Houston who had some gout issues that had uh, plagued his ankles. And I think I'll just, uh, while we're waiting for a call, Eric, uh, what's that number that they can call in? Call us in and talk to the doctor. It is 505-266-1600. Anyway, the, the gentleman in Houston had some problems with his ankles that he credits to gout and was wondering what he could do about that. He's already on a little bit of allopurinol, which is a prescription drug for gout, but it's not quite catching up. And so I thought I would uh, share with the audience my further advice, which is add vitamin C, about 4,000 milligrams a day, 2,000 milligrams for breakfast, 2,000 milligrams for dinner. And why vitamin C? It's a small molecule that's uh, got uh, electrons to contribute uh, to squelch out free radicals. And what is uric acid, the uh, so-called cause of gout? But uric acid, actually, its real function in the body is it's the number one antioxidant that we make to keep our bodies healthy. So when free radicals occur during the process of living in your day, it's the uric acid that leaps in and soaks up the free radicals, takes the hit, and then is transported to the kidneys and comes out in the urine. But what the vitamin C does is it keeps the uric acid in the fight. It regenerates the uh, uric acid. Furthermore, uh, rather than the uric acid precipitating out, say, at the base of the big toe or precipitating out in the ankles, the vitamin C helps clear the uric acid and get it over to the kidneys for clearance. So I uh, asked the uh, person in Houston to increase their vitamin C, simple vitamin C, 2,000 milligrams for breakfast and dinner, and hopefully all of that pain will begin to clear within a week or so as you clear those uric acid crystals out of the joint. Anyway, so that's the uh, the first call of the day, which came even before the show started. Well, we have another one that was called in of a person who uh, had a friend in England uh, who uh, suffered from an illness called fibromyalgia, Eric. Fibromyalgia, the scourge of the universe. <clears throat> it's a process of inflammation of muscles and tendons and joints, generalized pain, quite frankly, and so what can you do about it that is under your control and doesn't require having a prescription pad? Uh, oftentimes, folks are prescribed Lyrica, which is a pretty nasty prescription drug with a lot of downside. But uh, So I suggested to this uh, English person that they get their hands on some simple ginger. Ginger, Just yes. Raw ginger, huh? No, yeah, no, no and what they need, it comes in a capsule, uh, usually about 500 milligrams per capsule, and take two capsules a day because ginger, quite frankly, is a very useful drug for arthritic pain or pain in general. And uh, kind of how it works is it uh, metabolizes on through and uh, becomes chemically something very similar to having taken a Motrin, except it doesn't have any of these side effects of Motrin. So there is uh, sort of the first hack of the day. Take ginger for your fibromyalgia, even if you're already on some other medicines, such as Celebrex for the um, uh, fibromyalgia. And Celebrex, let's talk about that, sort of one of those uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. And it can stir up the stomach <clears throat> and also be a little bit rough on the kidneys. But when you add ginger, what is the first principle of ginger? Well, it protects the gut. It sort of takes away some of the uh, potential side effect of a Motrin-like drug. 
by protecting the stomach. That's why it's in ginger ale, folks. That's right, ginger ale actually has ginger in it. The second thing that happens is ginger increases uh, blood flow uh, through the kidneys, increases uh, the health of the kidneys. And, of course, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, Motrin-like drugs, Celebrex, et cetera, can attack the kidneys, uh, and ginger helps protect that. But the third thing is, is after you've had ginger in your system for a while, it metabolizes into something that affects what are called the prostaglandins in the body. And those are inflammatory uh, molecules that manage uh, chronic pain and inflammation throughout the body. So ginger is a very useful and helpful uh, type of uh, herb for the uh, people who suffer from fibromyalgia. So another little health hack. Eric, do we have any interested callers with other issues? Sure, we can start off with a caller right away, sir. Yes, sir. All right, caller, you're on the Kiva with Dr. Summers. Top of the afternoon, sir. Or Thank madam. you, you too. Uh, my name's Greg, and I, I am a fan of your memory revitalizer. I've been using it for over a year now. It's, it's a great product. Thank you, sir. I'm pretty proud of it. I have to credit uh, the good Lord for a lot of it. It was just inspiration that came over a five-year period of time putting it together. I'm glad you find it useful. That's uh, yes. that's very reassuring. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, yeah, my my question is, I think there's a, some controversy on uh, being an older guy. I'm uh, concerned about my prostate, and uh, a lot of the products are touting uh, Salpimento, which I, I believe you've mentioned, but uh, some of them say that it's not necessary for any, uh, there's no benefits apparently, and so they're pushing the high levels of that beta sterols. Beta uh, sterols. Uh, so I'm wondering if, if there's, should I get a product that has both, or should I stay away from the ones that only have the beta serol? Or I'm a little concerned on what which one I should look for. Actually, beta cytosterol is within your salt palmetto, and what they're doing is uh, going to their chemistry set and creating the beta cytosterol and uh, giving it to you as if that was the pure answer, and that's kind of nice. But let me ask, Greg, do you have hair on your head? Oh, yes. Isn't that cool? So yes. palmetto as a sidebar thing is quite helpful to keep your hair. It isn't just that it works on the prostate. Most of the herbs, if you look at them carefully, will have 10 or 15 active chemicals in them. And some of the chemicals in the salt palmetto actually help keep the prostate in line, shrunken down. Others actually help hair growth. As a matter of fact, I have women who've had thinning hair, and I'll say, hey, have you thought about salt palmetto? Not only will it help you with your hair problems, but, lady, it'll help you with your prostate problems. And they look at me kind of strangely. But uh, <laughs> they take it, and it seems to be beneficial. Greg, thank you for your call. Thank you. <coughs> All right. That being said, that's a good time to remind people where they can get their own memory revitalizer in Life Imagine. It's at the Share and Care Pharmacy in Belen, Durand Central Pharmacy, Sam's Regent Pharmacy, the Best Buy Pharmacy, Manal Pharmacy, the Evergreen Herbal Market in Rio Rancho, Moses Country Store on 4th Street, the Village Apothecary in Cedar Crest, Care Drug in Aztec, Sierra Blanca Pharmacy in Ruidoso, and Addison Drug in Fort Sumner. And always reliable is the MemoryRevitalizer.com, the LifeLink.com, and even more reliable is ordering direct at 1-800-606-0192 for your Memory Revitalizer and Life Imagine. Absolutely. Let's take a second and plug my friends at Albuquerque Neuroscience our uh, local private uh, research entity here, non-university affiliated, proudly so, that help develop drugs that uh, can be beneficial to you. They're doing a study on depression and coming towards the end of recruitment for that study. So, if folks, if you're between 18 and 75 and you have a moderate to severe depression or you know somebody who does, uh, come on in. 
uh, to Albuquerque Neuroscience over there on 101 Hospital Loop behind the women's uh, uh, hospital and uh, sign up. Uh, their telephone number is 505-848-3773. That's 848-3773. And uh, they have uh, those studies on depression, but there are two studies now ongoing looking at people with some memory issues between the ages of 50 and 87 who worry about could it be Alzheimer's. And they give the latest and greatest, most expensive workup to uh, establish whether that's the case or not. And then they have two drugs that I personally think have very good promise to be beneficial to folks with the great scourge Alzheimer's disease. So, Eric, can you give out those numbers for our friends at Albuquerque Neuroscience? Yes, sir. The numbers are 505-848-3773. And see, people, they pay so much more attention to Eric's voice. I think that's so fantastic. Right? Well, if you like that number, you should call us in at 505-266-1600 and talk to us directly. Doctor, we got a few calls. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Caller, you're on the Kiva with Dr. Summers. Oh, uh, my name is Charles. Hey, Charles. What can we do? How can we help you? Doctor, the last time I was I was in to see you at your office. I forgot to ask you about uh, baby aspirin. I took it for many years, but my my in-network physician told me to stop taking it last year. And what did he offer you to, as a substitute, or did he? It, nothing. So so what? So I, I'm 74 and in good health. So I took it probably from the time I was. Daily uh, baby aspirin, 81 milligrams from 50 until about 73. So I'm taking nothing uh, in its place. Hmm. Okay. And uh, so he just said stop the aspirin or just Correct. ignored Correct. it? Correct, yes. And did he just give not. a logic behind that? No, he just said that at my age it's not as recommended as it was when I was younger. Hmm. Yeah, they've come up with some new pharmaceuticals that are nice and expensive. Eliquis, I think, runs about uh, three, four hundred dollars a month. Where did the baby aspirin set you back? A buck fifty? Oh, if per that, month. I mean, you get you, you probably get a bottle at, at Costco or Sam's Club of about five hundred for, for maybe three dollars. Yeah, uh, aspirin. Of course, the big concern is is that it can be a little tough on the stomach, but uh, Charles, I don't know. Maybe you've got the stomach for the aspirin. I think thinning the blood just a little bit, uh, especially if you have any tendency towards blood pressure issues, etc., is not a bad idea. Uh, the aspirin gets it done with the baby aspirin at 81 uh, milligrams. Uh, a less expensive way to go is to buy adult aspirin. And the way aspirin works is is that uh, single adult aspirin, about 325 milligrams, that's enough to uh, immobilize most of the platelets in your body for the duration of their lifespan, which, as it turns out, is only about four days. So if you took one adult aspirin on a Sunday and on a Thursday, you get to just about the same place as your baby aspirin, 81 milligrams every day. And, uh, you know, that's another way to approach it. But uh, another thing you could do if you uh, totally want to stay away from pure chemicals is to go to aged garlic. Aged garlic uh, is euphemistically called Mother Nature's aspirin. So that's another way to go is if you want something that's probably got a few more things few more bells and whistles that we will discover in the future uh, over straightforward aspirin. I hope that answers, Charles. Thank you for your call. It does. Okay, thank you. Okay, moving along. More moving callers. Along. Yes, Eric, it's, this is exciting. we I'm, got people out there listening, I'm and hopefully so we're giving them some great information. I think we are every time. This is my favorite part of the show. Caller, you're on the Kiva with Dr. Summers. Um, hello? Yes, Good afternoon. Oh, 
Hi, my name is Sarah. Hi, Dr. Summers. How are you? Very good, Sarah. Thank you for calling. Um, I, I'm calling because I'm now 41 years old. Oh, and my I've been God. Memory, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been taking memory revitalizer now for about nine years, eight years, and I feel great. Um, my mom is now 76, and I'm wondering if, in addition to memory revitalizer, you recommend any of these websites where you do, like, brain exercises. If, if that helps, if you understand what I mean, they have you do puzzles and things like that. Yeah, and, you know, intuitively, if you do brain exercises, it's kind of like going to the gym for your brain. I mean, that's kind of the image one gets. This whole concept, actually, Sarah, started with a guy by the name of Gary Small, who was a professor out at UCLA. And uh, Gary, uh, I think this is a matter publicly known, so I don't think I'm uh, revealing any secrets here. But his mom, uh, back in New York, uh, had Alzheimer's. And uh, he intuitively thought if uh, he could get her working crossword puzzles out of the New York Times that it would save her from her Alzheimer's. And so he actually wrote a book on this saying, uh, do these mental exercises. And he kind of uh, hinted that uh, this would somehow or another magically uh, prevent Alzheimer's, and uh, sad to say, mm. he was wrong. Uh, Alzheimer's is... Is there a benefit to it? Uh, I, I, certainly. I mean, there's a benefit to reading books. Uh, there's <laughs> a benefit to having conversations with uh, people and exchanging information, as we're doing right now. I believe okay. in it. I think it's okay. fantastic. But will it prevent Alzheimer's? I don't think so. Uh, okay. I mean, you always hope for the best, but I, I do know that we've both been on memory revitalizer, and it keeps us sharp, but always looking to be sharper, <laughs> I suppose. Fantastic. Sarah, <laughs> thank you so much, and I appreciate your listening and calling in. Thank okay. you, Moving on. Eric. Yes, sir. Another caller. Caller, you're on the Kiva with Dr. Summers. Yeah, hi, David Olson. Uh, doctor, i got a question on what you just said about aspirin, but first of all, it's been on my to-do list to for months now, since you promote uh, uh, Albuquerque Neuroscience, I once did a study uh, over a decade ago back there, and it's, it's uh, G. Michael Dempsey and his wife, right? Yeah, Dr. Dempsey passed away, and I'm oh, going no. to say I would in part credit that to having taken one of the uh, COVID-19 vaccines, and uh, those are related with sudden death. And uh, he did have a sudden, unexpected uh, death shortly after taking one of those vaccines. That must have been like a year ago or something? Yes, it was just about a year ago, March of last year. Oh, that, that's uh, horrible. Uh, G, G. Michael Dempsey, he, he was the nicest man, not just doctor, but nicest man that you could meet. And as a doctor, he had the greatest bedside manner. And when you did one of his studies... Um, you instead of paying to go to the doctor, you you got paid every time to go visit him. And in the course of a study, you would literally get like a, uh, probably a couple hours of one-on-one -on -one time consult time where he was doing his job, but you could also you know obviously ask questions on whatever different subject and get uh, consult medical consultation on on the related issues uh, that you were discussing. Um, so that's that's uh, horrible. Is, is Andy still there? Andy is still there. And I sincerely and deeply miss Mike Dempsey. Uh, he and I would go to lunch about every three or four months. We'd solve all of the problems of the world in the first 30 minutes. And uh, both he and I uh, trained in similar programs in psychiatry. So at the end of lunch, he'd declare me sane, and I would declare him sane. <laughs> and we were good for another three or four months till we had lunch again. Very, no, it was well, one yeah. of our rituals. I think I even had one of those type of consults uh, when, I, when I met with him, uh, the, the mutual consult, uh, tongue-in-cheek to some degree, but to, in some, to some degree serious. But Andy is just as decent a human being as, uh, as the doctor was uh, also. I did, did, um, now, I don't think Andy is an MD. Did, did they get a replacement uh, MD for their practice there? You're talking to him. I oh, went in to volunteer really? after Mike passed uh, to help out. <laughs> And it has turned into <laughs> another job. So I go over there a couple of times a week. 
And I have a, a daughter who thinks I'm working too hard and keeps saying I need to, you know, trim down what I'm doing. <laughs> so, yeah, I and, but I, I enjoy research. Uh, I was trained actually as a research uh, physician at Washington University. It's what I was trained to do. So kind of comes natural to me, and I do enjoy doing it. So I, I'll keep up for a while. Yeah, that's yeah, my assessment that that uh, medical practice that uh, at Albuquerque Neuroscience is a uh, uh, seemed to be a, a lot less uh, stressful environment, a more pleasant environment compared to your average medical practice. Yeah, absolutely, David. Thank you for your call. We should probably give other folks a chance to get their yep. questions in. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, call in and talk to the doctor live on the air, sixteen hundred AM. It's 505-266-1600 is the number to talk to him. And while we're waiting for some more calls, doctor, how about a, how about your health hack this week? Sure. What do you want to hear about? We've got a couple of things on the menu today if you want. Well, it uh, looks like diabetes is pretty prominent on the menu here. Yeah, diabetes and what you can do and your bailiwick that doesn't require owning a prescription pad. First thing I would say is cinnamon. Cinnamon actually contains a special type of chemical called a flavonoid, but the specific flavonoid is methylhydroxycalcione, or MHCP, uh, if you want to use an acronym. Anyway, MHCP mimics insulin activity. It works synergistically with the insulin your body makes and works uh, synergistically with insulin a doctor might prescribe. So, Cinnamon should be a good adjuvant for anybody with diabetes. And how much? Well, a quarter of a teaspoon to a teaspoon a day actually uh, has been shown to stave off uh, pre-diabetes switching into diabetes. And uh, you can add cinnamon to exercise and diet uh, to... Uh, help you if you're early in the stages of uh, diabetes. Let's talk about diabetes. 10.5% of the American public, one out of 10, has diabetes. Now, here's the sad part. A good percentage, one out of uh, four of that 10.5% don't know they have diabetes. Now, that constitutes 7.3 million Americans over the age of 18 who have diabetes and haven't taken the blood test and don't know it and so don't know they should be on perhaps diet, exercise, and maybe some cinnamon. Uh, so, folks, if you haven't had a hemoglobin A1C, which is how we diagnose it these days, a simple blood test, you better trot on in to your doctor, nurse practitioner, or uh, medicine man or whatever, and uh, sign up to get a hemoglobin A1C because when you look at folks between the age of 18 and 22, about uh, 29 million of those folks in America have diabetes. And between the ages of 45 and 65, another 35 million Americans uh, have diabetes or prediabetes. And over 65, it comes down to almost half of us have diabetes or prediabetes. Now, diabetes is a little more common in men as opposed to women. So especially you guys out there, don't be stubborn. You know, run down and uh, line up, get a quick blood test, and get her done, as they say. Well, should we do a quick update on COVID? Or Let's do it. We're calls? waiting for some callers. Call the doctor at 505-266-1600. 505-266-1600. Yeah, we're ready for our COVID-19 update. Yeah, there was an article that came out on February 18th last month in JAMA, the official uh, rag of the American Medical Association, which is basically a governmental agency. It is not a private organization that represents us physicians. As a matter of fact, the AMA has an exclusive contract from the government to control diagnostic codes, which brings them, plus their insurance gigs, brings them about 
$500 million a year. So what the hell do they need doctors as members for? They are basically an extension of the government. They're friends of Fauci is who they are. And their uh, journal shows this. Uh, You have to be politically correct if you're going to publish in the American Medical Association Journal. And there was this article that came out, Efficacy of Ivermectin Treatment on Disease Progression Among Adults with Mild to Moderate COVID and and Comorbidities. And they made a mistake in this article uh, because they actually included their data. Their abstract gives the politically correct dialogue, which is the study findings do not support the use of ivermectin for patients with COVID-19. You're going to hear that quoted on CNN. But don't fall for it, folks. What you have to do is actually go look at the article and look at the raw data And you almost don't need to be a statistician to figure out the real takeaways in that article. There are five takeaways. The first takeaway in that article is vaccine efficiency in the real world is quite small. Incidentally, this study was done by a bunch of Chinese guys in Malaysia. uh, And it was a so-called open-label randomized trial that was done With one arm, got ivermectin and standard care. The other arm of the study, about 250 patients, got just uh, the uh, vaccine. Okay, so the first takeaway is the vaccine efficacy is very small. It reduced your chance of death by just 24%. 24%. That's really not terribly uh, impressive. On the other hand, your ivermectin, if you look at the raw data, reduced your chance of death by 72%. So it was three times more effective than the vaccine. And uh, the vaccine did provide a small incremental benefit. That's apparent in the, uh, in the uh, actual numbers presented. But the uh, paper does show that ivermectin is three times better than vaccines at preventing the outcome of death. And the other thing is, it's pretty clear if you're given a choice of ivermectin or a vaccine, never choose the vaccine. Now, speaking of reasons not to choose the vaccine, I want to go back to a little notice I saw in the uh, (coughs) competing organization, one that actually represents physicians, the AAPS, uh, the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, of which I am a proud member, uh, showed that court orders uh, against Pfizer and the FDA demonstrated over 150,000 severe adverse effects covered up by the FDA and by Pfizer within the first three months of the use of the Pfizer vaccine and that by and large, mortality of the COVID vaccines is over 150 times that of the simple smallpox vaccine. So folks, these vaccines, we haven't heard the last of it yet. There's a lot of dangers with the COVID vaccines. It's probably far better to run out there if you can still find it and get a COVID infection and treat it. And ivermectin is effective, as is hydroxychloroquine. Over 150 peer-reviewed papers demonstrating that hydroxychloroquine is effective when used early in the course. Same for ivermectin. Okay, so where are we? Do we have any other curious callers who want to kidnap the show? We sure do. You want to kidnap the show here at 505-266-1600. Caller, thank you for holding you're on the Kiva with Dr. Summers. Hello, Dr. Summers. This is Rick. Um, I was wanting to see if there's an alternate uh, prescription uh, or non-prescription, preferably, that I could take to uh, Metroprol. And I think it's called uh, Atorvastatin. Uh, taking that for my heart. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about a statin drug to supposedly lower the cholesterol, right? Yes. Okay. So, uh, Rick, thank you for calling. This is a very important uh, 
Very important call, folks, so listen up. I am not a big fan of statins. Uh, the literature has a, continued to uh, accumulate since about the year 2000, showing that statins have very significant toxicity, uh, especially against skeletal muscle, also against the central nervous system. 20% of the cholesterol in your body, this evil substance, is in a two-pound organ that's inside your skull called your brain. Without the cholesterol there, folks, you look like an Alzheimer's patient. As a matter of fact, there were studies done by the uh, statin people in the 80s and 90s, which I was uh, fortunate enough to get wind of, that they never published because they thought if they gave statins and reduced the cholesterol, it would improve brain function. In actual fact, it was disaster. It, uh, it, it really made you look more like you had Alzheimer's and uh, affected adversely affected memory, etc. So uh, the statin drugs are a problem there. Uh, but, Rick, are you still on the line, Rick? Yes, I am. Yeah. Are, when did you start on those statin drugs? Uh, about uh, six, no, well, closer to nine months now. Okay. I try not to be too contrary to my colleagues, but um, a lot of them uh, bought the Kool-Aid and... Uh, you know, do you consider cholesterol an evil uh, substance, or is it benign, or is it uh, angelic? Which way would you uh, would you go on that question? Um, I'd have to plead total ignorance. <laughs> okay, well, know. cholesterol. I'm the doctor's orders. Yeah, no, no, that's a good thing to do. Generally speaking, that works out much better. But cholesterol is a fundamental chemical in the body, and by fundamental or foundational. Let me uh, go a little bit further. Rick is a guy, which means he makes testosterone. Well, what's the raw material you make testosterone from? The answer is cholesterol. Now, Rick likes vitamin D, right? Yep. To do that, he goes out in the sun, and the sun hits his skin and makes the first form of vitamin D, D1, which ultimately is, is the body shapes into vitamin D3, the stuff you buy at the drugstore. But the uh, conversion to vitamin D1, the raw chemical you use to make that vitamin D is cholesterol. Okay, now, when you look at the metabolism of cholesterol, the fourth step in the metabolism, which is interfered with by the statins, actually creates a chemical which is transported to the bone to make bone matrix. In other words, to have healthy bones, you need to have cholesterol, folks. And it seems to me that's kind of a fundamental need. But let's go another step. If you're under stress, Rick, you're going to make cortisol, uh, which is your stress hormone. What's the raw material that you use to make cortisol? The answer is cholesterol. Okay, now your skeletal muscles move. The outside of the skeletal muscles have a cell membrane. A key component to that cell membrane is cholesterol. And again, we go back to the brain. Then the cholesterol in the cell membrane of neurons, if it's not there, they cannot function properly. That's so important that the cholesterol in the brain is actually made by the brain. But when you take a statin, it interferes with the brain's ability to make cholesterol. Okay, cholesterol is a big enough molecule. It does not get across the blood-brain barrier. But most of the cholesterol is actually made in the liver. Anyway, I could go on for a long time, Rick, but I think we should probably move on. I think you get the general gist that I'm not a big fan of that. What I uh, strongly prefer in terms of what what are we trying to uh, avoid with the uh, with the statins, Rick? Can you tell me? Uh, well, for starters, another bypass surgery, a heart surgery, and um, I'm hoping to get a, off of them and get into some alternative supplement that uh, I could okay replace that maybe like CoQ10 or. You know, different vitamins. Well, that's one of the things that statins do is they interfere with the ability of CoQ10 to uh, to help your body. In fact, they deplete your body of CoQ10. 
CoQ10 is made by the body in small amounts, but the statins wipe it out. Uh, Rick, let me offer an alternative, uh, and that is uh, presented by Linus Pauling back in the early 90s, and that is three things. The first is vitamin C, for which Pauling is well known. If you take a dose of 2,000 milligrams for breakfast and 2,000 milligrams for dinner, and then you add two simple amino acids, L-proline, P-R-O-L-I-N-E, and L-lysine, L-Y-S-I-N-E. Then in a year's time, you decrease your stroke and heart attack um, probability by over 50%. On wow. the other hand, if you continue with your statin, and this is Washington University figures in their Manual of Medical uh, Therapeutics, if you take your statin for 10 full years faithfully, you reduce heart attack and stroke by 4% with all of its toxicity. On the other hand, mm -hmm. vitamin C, proline, and lysine, no toxicity, and 50% reduction in one year. So uh, my recommendation to most of my patients is switch over to the vitamin C, and whenever possible, I like to have my patients in control of their treatment. They don't have to have a prescription pad to get their hands on the vitamin C, the L-proline, and the O-lysine. But let me so expound what, uh, just a little bit. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, what, how much did you take of the uh, lysine and the prolosine? The uh, proline, P-R-O-L-I-N-E, 500 milligrams twice a day gets it done. And the okay. lysine, again, 500 milligrams. The lysine is readily okay. available even at local uh, drugstores. But the proline is a little more of a specialty item. Oftentimes, my folks have to go online to get it. And here's how it works. If you view a rope with three strands, and the strands intertwine to make a strong rope, well, one strand is a bunch of amino acids called L-proline. And another one of the three strands that make up the rope is L-lysine. And the third strand is L-glycine. Now, we make G-L-Y-C-I-N-E. We make glycine all by ourselves without help. And we make a small amount of L-proline, but not enough. Most of that you have to get from the outside. And the same for the lysine, L-Y-S-I-N-E. You have to get that from the outside. But when you put those three strands and twine them together, we call it collagen. Well, where's collagen in the body? It's throughout the body in just every organ. It's in your skin. It's what gives elasticity to your skin. It's even in the brain. But it's also most especially in joints. And it's also in tendons, and it's, it's in the entire vascular throughout the body. When you put the vitamin C and uh, the other components of collagen together, what you're doing is basically reaming out all of these arteries, getting rid of that plaque and all of that stuff, and retooling the arteries in your body. And that's how it works. Rick, thank you so much for your call, but I think You're I've welcome. spent too thank much you. time on this. I need to move on. Good advice. Appreciate it. Okay, All next right. caller. Let's do another caller. Thank you for holding, caller. You're on the Kiva with Dr. Summers. Hello? Yeah, Hello. good afternoon. How can we help you? Hi. <clears throat> okay, so <clears throat> I hope that Rick is still in line. I'm a... Uh, I'm equally, you know, wanting to keep people off the sentence. I'm actually, can you hear me? Yes, but I didn't get your name, sir. Oh, Nathan, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, again? Nathan? Oh, Nathan, yeah, I'm pleased to talk to you. Good talk to you, too. So, um, I'm equally, you know, wanting to, what was that? Yeah, Nathan, you want you are in favor of uh, getting folks off of the statins. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. So, so what's your question again? It's, uh, it's, it's as much of a question as much of, as it is uh, wanting to make sure that people are, are staying healthy, and that's through diet. So I, I agree that it's, equal, it, it's really, really important that, that uh, 
people are are trying to stay off of the statins because it can, you know, lead to a decrease in in your uh, or a, a withering away of your muscles and eating away your muscles and, and important things like that. But but really, it is important also to to watch your cholesterol because um, while it is important that we have healthy cholesterol for our brain function and to make different steroids in our body. Um, our body's going to be able to go ahead and make those themselves as long as we're giving it adequate nutrition. But having high dietary or having high circulating cholesterol, specifically the LDL cholesterol, is really, really dangerous. And I think to... Okay, Nathan, I, I think say, what you're well, trying to do is make a statement do, here. But yeah, and so... Say that we yeah, I'm going to I'm going to cut you um, off, Nathan. You you you're not uh, questioning what you are as a statement. And let me uh, speak to that a little bit. There is a a uh, hereditary condition called hyperfamilial hypercholesterolemia. And it's readily available or readily uh, diagnosable in a person's 20s. For these people, statins are a good drug. And at no point in time would I suggest statins ought to be taken off the market. But they do have a use, and it is in that relatively rare disorder. However, uh, there are people that live in the South Seas uh, on islands off of fish and coconuts who have cholesterols that are incredibly high that would shock the average cardiologist to death who live perfectly normal until they come in off of the island and go to McDonald's in New Zealand, then they start dropping dead like flies. I think that the fear of cholesterol is overblown, and I think that a careful review of it, uh, and there there have been several good books on it. There is a website, Eric, if we could try to look it up, spacedoc.net. I don't know if it's still up there. Can you see if you can find it? S-P-A-C-E. Spacedoc. DOC.net. Is that still up there? Let me take it. It's processing, and here it is. And it was run by a friend of mine, Dwayne Gavilan, who is the only physician to have been an astronaut. And I I think Dwayne was part of the last uh, moonshot. But uh, the thing is, is that Dwayne had... uh, Interesting phenomenon. Anytime he was put on any dose of statins, he would go immediately or fairly quickly into what we call a delirium, an acute organic brain syndrome. He would get so confused he wouldn't know where he lived, couldn't recognize his own wife. It was pretty tragic. He kept trying to keep the faith and figure out, well, if I just took one small dose once a week, he ended up in a wheelchair from the skeletal side effects and ultimately died, and I would call it uh, in part due to toxicity of the statins. And uh, the, sta- the toxicity of the statins are understated. Uh, Dwayne did a very good job on the website. Is it still there? Yes, sir, it's there. I would recommend you go to spacedoc.net and look at some of the articles and judge for yourself, folks. Uh, Dwayne was a good man, and I, I certainly miss him as a friend as much as I do Michael Dempsey. And he got nailed down by another problem, and that is the statins. Uh, but he has a lot of good information on that website. And, folks, please go read, make your own decision, and discuss it with your health care provider. It's not, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to make new enemies here. I've got enough. So, okay, Eric, thank you. We have other callers? Yes, sir, we have And if caller. you want to call to make a statement, well, that's called kidnapping the show. Get your own show. Thank you. All right. That being said, <laughs> caller, you're on the Kiva with Dr. Summers. Hi, yeah, Dr. good afternoon. Summers. Yes, ma'am. Hello. Hi, Dr. Summers. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am, I can. Oh, great. Hi. Um, I'm not going to kidnap the show. I just love your expertise and appreciate you. So thank you for sharing with us all the time. Anyway, I'm calling because I'd like to find out some more about bone health. I ended up having a bone density test, and I showed some bone loss. So I'm a little osteopenic in the spine. Can you recover bone loss? Is there anything that I can do to reverse that or anything moving forward that you 
highly recommend. And I actually wanted to call about collagen to ask, I don't know which one for that and where to get it and what your recommendations. So sorry I have so much in one call. <laughs> no, that's great. Thank you. Um, I'm going to make a dangerous move here. How old are you? 57. 57. Wow. And I'm going to guess that you're postmenopausal. Yes. Okay. And osteopenia is a thing that is almost 100% in women who are postmenopausal, and it's because they're postmenopausal. Okay. Uh, I was fortunate enough to work in a lab right next to one of the original geniuses in the area of bone metabolism, a guy by the name of Lou Avioli, who passed away a few years back. And he and I used to share sack lunches together, and I just learned so much from the guy. He was amazing. And he pointed out there was a drug under development in those days called Fosamax. And Fosamax was all the rage in terms of improving the density of your bones. And there were several derivatives, and finally that's been followed by Prolia, and they now even have other things. And Lou used to tell me, hey, uh, if you're over, if you're postmenopausal, if you're over 50 or 60, and you're a woman, you don't have to do a dense tomography study. You have osteoporosis because it simply means porous or thin bones. And he said the reason for that is, is estrogen preserves bone and progesterone builds bone. So when your ovaries are in action, your ovaries are giving you the strong bones that you need as a woman. And I took that lesson to heart, and he also had some things to say about Fosamax that I found fascinating. And so I did a little bit of research on Fosamax. The Fosamax is an industrial chemical, actually. It's original use because it is avaricious to calcium. It sort of grabs onto calcium. And they used it industrially to clean out steam engines that were encrusted. They also used Fosamax in California to sprinkle around the base of orange trees because the uh, alkaline soil in Southern California was so loaded with calcium and made bitter oranges. But if you put Fosamax around the base of the tree, you got some of the most delicious oranges you could ever taste. When I lived in Southern California, one of the great joys was for breakfast, I would walk out in the backyard, <laughs> grab two or three oranges, squeeze them, and that was my breakfast. It was magnificent and the best oranges I've ever tasted. And that was a Fosamax tree that had been treated. Uh, now, here's the other thing that really scared me about Fosamax. Uh, and that is the longer a drug is in your body, the more time it has to do mischief. And Fosamax estimated half-life is 12 years. 12 years. Wow. Well, let's take that versus aspirin, which is about four and a half to five hours. You can actually uh, study the toxicity of aspirin, but it takes five half-lives to get something out of your body. Now, true, Fosamax is poorly absorbed, but whatever you absorbed in that first pill at age 50 of Fosamax is half out of your body at 62. It's uh, three-quarters out of your body at 74, and it's not out of your body till you're 86 from the very first Fosamax pill you took at 50. And in that many-year span, those decades, it can do a lot of mischief. And indeed, we're finding that. Uh, savvy dentists will frequently ask for the history of, have you taken Fosamax or its similar derivatives? And they'll oftentimes, uh, these days, refuse to extract a tooth that's giving you trouble because uh, although on the densitrometry these bones look denser, they're actually more fragile. So instead of breaking like a normal bone would, they shatter and uh -huh. they don't heal. Because the thing that's common to all of these things that make these bones look denser is it kills the bone. It stops the bone turnover and turns the bone into a graveyard bone, the type you would find 
if you're into archaeology. Anyway, thank you so much for your call. I think we best move on. Thank you. All right, Doctor. I want to remind everybody where they can get their memory revitalizer and life imagined. It's at the Sharon Care Pharmacy in Berlin, Duran Central Pharmacy, Sam's Regent Pharmacy, Island Pharmacy, Best Buy Pharmacy, Manal Pharmacy, and the Evergreen Herbal Market in Rio Rancho. Also at Moses Country Store on 4th Street, the Village Apothecary in Cedar Crest, Care Drug in Aztec, New Mexico, and Sierra Blanca Pharmacy in Rudoso. Also Addison Drug in Fort Sumner. You can always find it at memoryrevitalizer.net and lifelink.com and order direct at 800-606-0192. We have some callers, doctor, but I'd kind of like, if it's all right with you, I'd really like to uh, skip ahead and go to some of the history before the time runs out today. (laughs) Or I could hit it next week, but history you're not supposed to know. And this, I think, is a cute little thing. A lot of times when I can, I'll use American history, but this is kind of, uh, you know, we're, we're moving in towards uh, Easter, and we do a special show on uh, Christianity in honor of uh, Easter. But, uh, yeah, Eric, uh, I know the answer to this. Were you aware that we had discovered Jesus' childhood home in Nazareth? Not until you were talking about it before the show. That's why I wanted to skip ahead and see, make sure everybody else knew. Because I yeah. don't think. Uh, yeah, I was talking about a time when I was in a town called Genoa in Italy, and you're going by this area with all these skyscrapers in town, and all of a sudden there's a little empty lot with a little stone hut in the middle of it, almost like a park. And I said, "What's that? Oh, that's Christopher Columbus's." birth home. That's where he grew up, Christopher Columbus. And so they preserved it. And when you've got an important historical character, people like to preserve where they grew up, where they were born. We don't know, we don't have the the Kentucky home of Abe Lincoln where he was born, but we certainly do have a whole village around Abe Lincoln's uh, time in Illinois. Uh, So it's kind of significant if we can come up with something of a uh, important character of antiquity. And the person of antiquity here is Jesus of Nazareth. And, you know, the documentation that Jesus wasn't a mythical character is fantastic when you look at it and think about it. <coughs> Everybody accepts Homer was this blind slave who created the Iliad and the uh, Odyssey, and he wrote around 700 B.C. But the oldest fragment of the thing that he allegedly wrote, actually it's a poem, Uh very long poem, but the oldest thing that is written down on paper is almost a thousand years later uh, from Egypt. Uh, that uh, dates back to 200 years after Christ, as opposed to Homer hanging out in 700 B.C. Uh Uh, But an 800 to 1,000 year difference. Plato the same way. Plato lived about 400 years before Christ, but the oldest copy of his work is almost year 900. And yet we have manuscripts written about Jesus within 30 years of his death, and we actually have manuscripts that date back to the first century. But his boyhood home recently has been excavated in Nazareth. And it also, the story starts around 680, the first century, 680. Uh, a bishop from France by the name of Arcuf visited Nazareth. And he was returning back to France in a ship and he got wrecked off of the coast of Scotland and landed on a small island called Iona. And the local bishop there took him in and started listening to his visit to the Holy Land, and he claims to have actually gotten to Nazareth and found out where Jesus spent his boyhood days in Nazareth. And uh, Archif uh, said, yep, they, the uh, Crusaders built a church over it called the Church of Nutrition. And across the street from the Church of Nutrition, they put a second church called the Church of the Annunciation, 
where theoretically Mary found out she was pregnant. And in between, they put two tombs of uh, Romans who had died since about the time of Christ. But all of this was protected by the Church of Nutrition. Well, how did we uh, get this lost in time? Well, it was lost, and people forgot about it, because who reads little travelogues from the year 1000? I, uh, I haven't read any lately. So in 1881, the French Sisters of Nazareth brought some property in Nazareth, and they began to build a convent, and they started digging down, and they found, wow, well-preserved Crusader period walls and a couple of Roman period tombs uh, spaced apart. And they began to dig in, but they kind of ran out of uh, steam, and they turned, uh, they just got disinterested in it. And in 2006, a, uh, a British uh, gentleman, Professor Ken Dark, started professionally excavating the site underneath this church, and he found that this large Byzantine church, the Church of the Nutrition, had carefully preserved a uh, little Jewish home with a courtyard standing between the uh, two tombs of Roman era. And obviously great pains had been made to preserve the house underneath the church. Uh, the home itself contained pottery and spindles and domestic items that were very typical of Jewish homes at the time of Jesus. Now the fascinating thing is the workmanship of this rock house was extremely skilled. And the Bible states that Jesus' uh, stepfather was Joseph. And he was called a tekon, T-E-K-T-O-N, which is ancient Greek for an extremely skilled craftsman. And so he would have the skills to build such a house. And the archaeology perfectly fits into the description of Jesus' boyhood home from the year 680 A.D., so that's history that I'm thinking most of us haven't heard. Isn't that cool? It is. It's very cool. I know I hadn't heard it myself. Thank you for bringing it up, Doctor. And, uh, we've got a couple more callers maybe in the next yeah, five minutes. Yeah, let's do it. I, I, I love the, the calls. Show here. Caller, you're on the Kiva with Dr. Summers. Hi, Dr. Summers. This is Natalie. Yes, Natalie. How can we help? My question today revolves around the thyroid. And especially during pregnancy. Um, as you can probably hear, I'm in the middle of a sinus infection. And around the beginning of the infection, I had blood panels and stuff done. And my thyroid turned out to have some interesting numbers. My FT4 levels seem to be fine within range 1.1. But my THS levels were really, really low. You mean point zero zero. Yeah, excuse me, TSH, right? Yeah, yeah, the, um, okay. now, yeah the, the one made by the pituitary gland. Yeah, it's actually the brain's uh, version of how your thyroid health is. The brain samples T4 coming through it in the blood system, and it comments mm -hmm. on it by the TSH. And your TSH level was zero point something? Point zero zero seven. What boggled me, though, is if it was hypothyroidism, low thyroid, my TSH would have been high and my FT4 would have been low. But if it was hyperthyroidism, um, TSH, but then my FT4 should have also been sky high. Actually, a so, very low TSH, it's inversely related. The lower the TSH, the higher the T4. So a TSH of 0 .007 means your brain thinks it's getting way too much thyroid. Uh, first thing you want to do is to repeat the lab test and make sure you've got it right. I always uh, had a professor once who said the most common cause of an abnormal laboratory test is, wait for it, an abnormal laboratory, not an abnormal <laughs> patient. So oftentimes okay. when you see something that much out of kilter, the first thing you want to do is repeat the test. Okay. And then uh, 
you know, we're kind of at the end of the hour, but uh, the, the, the trick is, is you need to do a little physical examination, have somebody feel that thyroid, maybe a scan. But that number, that low TSH, would tend to speak towards Hashimoto's disease or hyperthyroidism, mm -hmm. or perhaps you're on too much of synthetic thyroid. No, I'm not on any thyroid meds, but I am pregnant, and I've been in the middle of a really bad sinus infection, which I don't know if that affects the pituitary gland. Not that much. Uh, I'll give you a quick trick I was going to preserve till next week, but xylitol <laughs> is a sugar. Uh -huh. And it uh, turns out that that sugar actually coats the uh, sinuses, and you can actually get a xylitol nasal spray through Amazon that's 94% effective at getting rid of sinusitis. Why? Because it makes the sinuses a slip and slide area, and the bacteria can't hang on, and they just get washed out to sea. Nice. So you might, uh, I'll, I'll go into more detail in next week's show, but xylitol is the answer, and it's a sugar substitute that's used in baking. You can buy it at the grocery store. You could probably make your own xylitol solution to put in a neti pot, mm -hmm. but uh, it is available on Amazon. I hope that helps, and thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you, Dr. Smith. Do we have one more call? Here? We have one more caller. You have about 30 seconds to get your point to Dr. Summers. Caller, you're on the Kiva. Good afternoon. Hello. Yes, sir. Um, hey, my name is Chris. Uh, hi. Um, I, um, if I may, I'll make a statement. Uh, it's basically in support of your um, view on statin, which I share, and I understand there was a lot of misinformation out there. Um, two known cardiologists, uh, Dr. Thomas Levy and Dr. Sinatra, who wrote several books. Um, yeah, Frank uh, is a good guy. I'm sorry? Frank Sinatra is his name. Yes, yes. And then and, and Dr. Thomas Levy, if you don't know Thomas Levy, of course, uh, enjoy. Yeah, very <laughs> courageous guys. So they anyway, they probably have out. been uh, defrocked by the American Cardiology Association. <laughs> yeah, well. Right. Anyway, so people who have doubts, you know, they probably should read or look look at more information. I think Dr. Sinatra says he never uses statin unless the cholesterol, total cholesterol, which is kind of irrelevant anyway, but total cholesterol is above 300 or 330. Um, so anyway, I wanted to just add that. And, and I, I, I'm sure you also tell your patients to take um, uh, vitamin E um, in, in a form of mixed tocopherols, and, and I'll leave it at that. It's a great show. All right. Thanks. Okay, thanks, Krista. I appreciate the call. And yes, uh, vitamin E, there are eight different forms of it. Most people don't realize it. It's important it takes at least six to seven of the eight forms. If you take only one, the alpha-tocopherinol, you're unbalancing your vitamin E and undoing the good that it might present for you. Anyway, hope that helps. Thank you, folks, and I appreciate your listening. I really do. And I love the calls. They're great. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Dr. Summers. Next week is a pre-recorded show. Two weeks is our next call-in right here on 1600 AM, abq.fm, and rockoftalk.chat. Next up is Jeffrey Candelaria.